the translation of the Hebrew word Yahweh is Lord. Spirit of Jesus, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person, living within us, pronounced yod Hey, vav Hey, Yahweh. A name often considered too sacred to speak, never to fail or forsake. Each person's life is but breath, unending promise. God's divine breath flows through you and those around you. Heaven inside us. When you breathe, you let God in, whispers the sound of your name. Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. Holy is the Lord, the breath of life inside us. Yahweh, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Good evening. How are we doing? Good to see you here in church today. We're going to get right into it. Today we're talking about how many times is biblically appropriate to swear because there's snow on the ground. So open up your Bibles now. Welcome to church. It's good to see you and we are glad that you're here. Big hello to everyone watching at our South Campus and online. We love you guys and uh, glad that you are with us today. Uh, as John just kind of said, man, we just, we had a huge Easter party last weekend. It was an awesome time, and so thank you to everyone who came, thank you to everyone who brought people, and a huge thank you to everyone who served in any capacity to help us pull that off. Um, that is no small task to pull off what really was six services over the course of a single weekend. And so we only do that because we have an incredibly committed team of volunteers who are willing to go above and beyond for church, for Jesus, right? So kudos to all of you guys, and uh, we're celebrating. Uh, we had over 800 people here and a bunch of people that gave their lives to Jesus, and thanks again to everyone who shifted their calendars to show up at 2 p.m. and uh, had a great service. It was awesome to have our South team here for the 2 p.m. service, and they led us in worship. It was good to see John and Emily and Brandon and everyone here at North for that, and so it was just, it was a good weekend, right? <clears throat> good. Good. Well, today uh, we are kicking off a brand new series that we are calling Yahweh. It's actually called YHWH, which is actually not a pronounceable word. So our new series is a thing that you can't say. But we're starting it today. And uh, we're glad that you are here. We're going to be talking about God's names. See, God doesn't just have one name. He, he was given so many names and he gave himself so many names. He calls himself a provider. He calls himself a healer, a redeemer, a savior, a creator. He is all of those things. And so we're going to be talking about what that means. But what I'm really excited about, uh, along with that, is that every week we're going to be hearing stories uh, on video from cross pointers that will connect to what that name means. Does that, does that make sense? Every week you're going to hear a story from someone at the church and... 
I, these are the best. I just don't know how else to say that. And if you've been here for a series where we get to hear from people every week, then you know they're powerful, memorable, encouraging times. And so I'm so excited for you guys to hear stories from your own people, your own family, about what God is doing in their lives. Uh, there, there's not one today, so it's just me today. But we, I know, I know. That's the loudest you've been today. Great, that's good. Um, I'm also super excited that next week uh, we're doing some baptisms, which is also one of our favorite things. And I say this every time we do baptisms, and I'm going to emphasize it one more time today, that if you follow Jesus, if you call yourself a Christian and you are not baptized, that's weird. <laughs> I'm just totally honest. Biblically, that's crazy. New Testament believers would look at you and think, how is that even possible? Because at the moment they got saved, they went down to the river and got baptized. They were part and parcel, one and the same. I got saved. How are you going to tell people? Get baptized. It would be crazy for them to think that there are followers of Jesus who are still kind of thinking, well, should I get baptized? Is that a thing that I should do? It's crazy. You don't think about it. You do it. Okay? This is the Bible. We're preaching the Bible. Anyway, if you're an unbaptized Christian, I hope you're super uncomfortable right now. <laughs> and this is your opportunity to get in the tank, and it's an opportunity for us to celebrate and rejoice and be happy. And it's, it's, they're just awesome services. And so come next week to see those and to celebrate with those people, or maybe get baptized yourself. And uh, you can let us know anytime if you are thinking about that, um, and it's just going to be good. Uh, so names, let's talk about names. Because names say a lot, don't they? You, you can tell a lot about someone from their name, which sounds weird, but it's kind of true. Uh, names are really important. You know what the crazy thing about names is that you are given this name, it is yours for the entirety of your life. You have no say in it whatsoever. Does, have you ever felt that was like unfair? Now I know you can change it, but you got to go to court and do paperwork and pay money and no, 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 no. But it's, it's like, this is your name that you're going to carry. It's on your birth certificate. It's going to be on your tombstone. It's going to be on all your official documentation. It's going to be on all the trinkets you're trying to find at Disneyland that has your spelling on it, right? Like, this is your name forever, and you didn't even get any say in what your name was. They're just given to you. Like, this is the name that people are going to use to give you nicknames in the future and to make fun of you. Brewer rhymes with sewer over and over again my whole life. I know. But anyway, there's, there's, I didn't understand how much pressure there was in choosing a name for a human until we had one. Right? Like, it, it's hard enough to name a pet. Have you ever struggled with naming a pet? Like, our daughter got a kitten this weekend, and she, she like, debated names for a week. Just, what am I going to... You know what she named him? You know what our daughter named our kitten today? Kyle. <laughs> True story. We have a cat named Kyle now, and I think it's the best. Um, but we, we, man, we had a child, and we're like, all right, we got to name this kid. And, and really, all that happens is you're at the hospital, and they slide a piece of paper over to you in a pen. They're like, what's her name? Like, I thought it'd be a far more elaborate process than that. It's not. They're like, just put her name down. And in that moment, as soon as you do it, it's done forever. You can't change it. There's no backspace. There's no undo. Like, this is your kid's name. And so we debated and talked. We're going to name this kid. And so we ended up naming her Emily Elizabeth. And we're like, all right, great name. 
It's a super name. You can't make fun of it. There's nothing in there. And as soon as we started telling people, they're like, oh, like from Clifford, the big red dog. I'm like, shoot! Get the white out! Anyway, named a kid after a PBS Kids TV show. That's great. But don't you, haven't you ever found that certain names fit certain people? You meet someone and they say their name and you're like, oh yeah, you're totally that. Oh, you're, you're so a Chad. We're like, oh yeah, no, I know, I know what you mean by an Amber, right? Like we know, I know what these names are. We, we, we make assumptions about people based entirely on their name. There was actually a study done recent, like two months ago, and the study discovered that we are actually able to guess a stranger's name with up to 40% accuracy. We're able to look at someone we don't know, and if given a list of names, 40% of the time, we're right. Isn't that crazy? It was done at the University of Jerusalem, and, and they did. They, they were given a face, list of names, and said, pick, so we're obviously going to do it right now. So here's our first person. His face is, see right here. All right, our first contestant. Now, I don't know his name, but I know that that guy, his occupation, he is totally like a college professor. And like, he's a mean one. That's very judgmental of me. Um, all right, so how many of you think this guy's name is Roger? Just raise your hand. Yeah, it's totally a Roger. Anyone think that guy's name is Tim? He is a Tim. There's one, two. Anyone think there's an Edward in there? Yeah. Never Eddie. If you called him Eddie, no way. Game over. Uh, and then John. Anyone think there's a John? Ooh, we're going to be proven wrong. His name's Tim. I know, I know. I was way off on that one also. Uh, next, next name, uh, we've got a young lady here who looks surprised that she's in this test. She is, if I'm guessing an occupation, she's a student, she's still trying to find herself, you guys. Um, so how many of you think her name is Caroline? Anyway, no, not a Caroline. Uh, Grace. Not many more. All right, is she a Monica? What? <laughs> Why? <laughs> We're so weird. <laughs> Anyone think she is an Alice? There's a handful, that was a decent amount. Her name is Alice. Job well done, some of you people. All right, one more, one more, we gotta do this. All right, girl with the hair. She is intense. She fights for, she writes for Buzzfeed. That's what she does, that's her job. All right, how many of you think her name is Daisy? Nope, nope. Emma. But it's a bunch of Emmas. All right. Rachel. Everyone's going Rachel. Or Ellie. Wow. All right. We are not great at this. Her name's Daisy. <laughs> We're, we failed the quiz. 40% accuracy. Now. Here's, here's what that study concluded, and, and it's really kind of interesting, is that we have a tendency to make assumptions about people and who they are based purely on their name. We can learn someone's name and think, oh, I bet they're that kind of person. Oh, Daisy. Oh, I, I can come up with all kinds of characteristics that I think a Daisy would be, right? And vice versa. When, when you meet a person and you, you start to meet them and know who they are and see what they do, that you, you have an assumption about what their name might be. So it kind of goes both ways, but we, we, for whatever reason, we kind of conclude that their name and their personality are actually kind of a package. They go together. One affects the other. There's something about their name that isn't just a title, but it's also who they are. 
and it's what they do, and, and it's the way that they think and they speak. We, we can't separate a name from a person. And so the study kind of came to this conclusion. We equate their name with a personality. And so when it comes to God, we have all kinds of names for God. But they're not just titles to us, are they? See, when, when we think about these names of God, that he is creator, provider, healer, redeemer, those aren't just titles. That's not just, oh yeah, no, that guy's name's creator. No, we're making assumptions about his character. Or we're coming to a conclusion about who we think this God is and what we think that he does, the way you name God and speak of him and think of him. It's, it's all connected. So it's important that we learn about God's names and what they mean to us, but we're really not learning about his names. We're really learning about God himself and who he is and how he changes us and transforms us and loves us. It's not just a title, but it's, it's a person. And so we want to learn about God, which leads us to the title of our series, Yahweh, or unpronounceable word. And this is the first name we're using for this series, but it's not unpronounceable in the sense like it's not Voldemort, right? It's not like he who must not be named, right? But kind of, it is. <laughs> and so we're going to talk about that today and learn about this unpronounceable named God and what that means for us today, what that says about God's personality. So we have to go all the way back to the very first book in the Bible in Genesis. And we meet a guy named Abraham. And God says to this guy named Abraham, all he wants to do is have kids. He hasn't had any yet. And God comes to him and says, I promise that you are going to have so many kids. You are going to have descendants that outnumber the stars in the sky. It's going to carry on for generations. It's going to be so incredible. And Abraham and his wife are super excited. This is great. We got the promise of children. And, and finally, they have a child. And, and God's like, all right, good news. You got a kid. You should walk him up a mountain and kill him. To which Abraham's response is, hold on, that doesn't sound like the best way to get descendants. That doesn't sound like the best way to build a family tree, but he does it anyway. And he walks his kid up this mountain, but before he kills him, God comes to him and says, all right, I didn't want you to really kill your child. I just wanted to see if you would obey me. I wanted to see if you were a faithful person. And then God ends up giving him a different sacrifice. So we read this in Genesis 22, verse 13. It says, then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Abraham named the place Yahweh Yira, which means the Lord will provide. And to this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Okay, so this is super early in the story of God. And people don't have a whole lot of interaction with him. There's not a whole lot of background for God. And so every time he would do something like this, every time he'd show up and do something new, they would connect a name with that new revelation. They're like, oh, you're the God who does this. See, for us, when you say the name God, everyone has all these words and all these images that fly through our heads. Why? Because we have thousands of years of church history. We have the Bible and commentaries and we have movies and we have descriptions and we've had time to think about it and we've gone to church. Abraham had none of that. So when you ask Abraham, who is God? His response is, I'm still not sure, but I do know what he has done for me. I do know that he is a God who provides for his people. 
And so all through the Old Testament, that's how they learned about God. They would give him these names. He would show up and do something miraculous or timely or maybe frightening. And they would say, all right, he is the God who redeems and saves and rescues. And so they began to connect his name with his personality, his name with his characteristics. And this is how I, like, this is kind of like babies. And this is purely unscientific, not done at a university. But like when, when a baby is born and they have no concept of names or people or relationships, what, what they're really seeing is, oh, this is the face. This is the face who feeds me. This is the person who watches me. This is the person who changed me. This is the person who comforts me. This is the person who cares for me. And over time, as this child grows up and begins to develop words and language, eventually that person becomes mama or dada. But it's not just a name to this child. That, that name is connected to their actions. I know you as the one who does this. You are the one who does these things for me. You are the one who takes care of me. So that's how God's people began to understand God. Oh, you're the one who does all of these things. And they connected his names with his personalities. And God keeps showing up and doing new things. And they would give him a new name. And they would write it down and say, all right, this is, this is more information about who God is. And so if you fast forward a bunch of generations, um, we eventually meet a guy named Moses. And God introduces himself to this man named Moses in the form of a burning bush. And he says, you are going to be the guy who rescues my people from slavery in Egypt. And this is the conversation that happens, Exodus 3.13. But Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what's his name? And what should I tell them? Right? They're still working on that. They're still trying to figure that out. Well, I don't even know your name. Who are you? It goes on to say, God replies to Moses, I am. It says, I am who I am. So say this to the people of Israel. I am has sent me to you. And then God said also to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. Well, there's some good stuff in there, but Moses asks him straight up, what is your name? Right? Really what Moses is asking is, what are your credentials? Right? Like, who are you? Well, like what, they're going to ask me who you are if I'm going to go knock on the front door of the most powerful man in Egypt and, and yeah, you should let my people go. The first thing they're going to ask me is like, who are you? Where'd you come from? They're going to want photo ID. They're going to want documentation. I don't know what to tell them. If you don't tell me who you are, it's going to be me walking up to the stranger saying, all right, there was a tree on fire and it talked to me and it said that I'm supposed to come talk to you. So this tree says, let my people go. Right? You see the dilemma. Moses is, I don't even know who you are. He's not looking for a name. He's looking for a person. He's looking for this description of God. But this time, the answer doesn't come in the form of an action. It doesn't come in the form of a description. It's not, well, you can tell them I'm the God who rescues. He could have said that. Oh, I'm the God who frees slaves. Just tell them that. They'll let you go. But Moses gets the answer, tell them I am. I am. Moses is like, okay, neat. What's your name? Oh, I am. You can tell them that I am sent you. Okay, what, like, what's on your birth certificate? What, 
What is your name? And God just keeps saying, no, I, I am. Because he's saying now, I am so much more than all of these things that I've done. I'm so much more than just a healer or just a provider or just a, a redeemer. But I am all of those things and so much more. I am. I, I am existence. I was before anyone else was. I will, will be long after anyone else is. I am the all-sufficient, all-knowing, all-present, almighty creator God of the universe. I just am. No one can, can be near me or around me. I fear no one. Nothing is impossible for me. I can do all things. I made you and everything around you. I just, I just am. That's his answer to Moses. This is far bigger than anything you could comprehend. I'm an unfathomable, all-encompassing, eternal God. It's hard to put that into a name. So God just says, I am, because he is. And then he keeps going, and he says, if this helps, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And to Moses, that rings bells. He's like, okay, I know those guys. Those were years before me, but I know about them. I've heard about them. They, they, those stories have been told through the generations. They're our most sacred, holy stories. So you're that same God? You're the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? And God's answer again is, I am. That's me. And see, when God says that, and he says it all through the Old Testament, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What he's saying is, I am the God of people who have gone far before you, and I made those promises, and I kept those promises. I'm still keeping those promises. I'm a God who speaks a word and keeps a word. And I've fulfilled all of that, and I'm going to continue to fulfill all of that. You know what's incredible? In the year 2017, he is still the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He did those things. He kept his word. He still keeps his word. So be encouraged that that is still the God we serve. Still keeping his promises. Still answering biblical prophecies. He just is. And Moses is like, oh, you're the same God. He says, I am because it covers everything. I am because whatever it is you need when you lack something. I am says, oh, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the good shepherd. Whatever you need, I am that. I am. And he's all wrapped up in this one name. So that word I am that he uses there in the burning bush, that's Yahweh. That's how they transcribe it. It's, it's Y-H-W-H. It's this word that is this self-containing, self-existing, all-encompassing nature. Who's your God? Oh, he is he is. I mean, how do you explain him? In the original Hebrew, language didn't have vowels. It's not that they didn't want to include them. They just didn't have them. It was purely a consonant kind of language. And so they transcribed it into letters. And it wasn't even just that they couldn't pronounce it. They didn't want to. They were afraid to pronounce the name of God. It was so holy and mighty and majestic and unbelievable that, that to even speak it, they felt like we're going to tarnish God somehow. That just some guy who was created and lives on this earth and covered in dirt would speak that name. It was unthinkable. They were afraid to speak the name of God. In fact, it became law to them from God himself not to speak it. It's commandment number three. 
God gives them the Ten Commandments. They are all connected. These first three are completely connected to his character and identity. Number one, don't have any other gods. I am the only one. Number two, don't make any other gods. I just told you I'm the only one. Number three, don't even misuse my name because there are no other gods even remotely near me. I am the only one. So even the way they used the name became this law for them. Exodus 27 says, you must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. And so for God's people, that, that law was literally life or death. And so to keep themselves from even just accidentally, potentially, maybe sort of saying something that they shouldn't, they just decided, let's not even speak it ever. Let's just not even walk on that edge, and, and we're just not going to say his name ever again. They didn't want to, because his name is the only one. There's only one Yahweh. There's only one I am. There are 10,000 Matthews and Mikes and Marks. There's one Yahweh. He's the only one with that name. Don't misuse it. Don't treat it callously or cheaply. Because for them, that really would have been a statement about how they felt about God himself. Right? How you speak the name reflects how you feel about the God. And so they revered him and feared him and worshipped him. So they're not just going to use his name like that, cheaply. It was a name that, that demanded reverence. It was a sacred name. So they just didn't use it. And we still hear that phrase, don't take the Lord's name in vain. I don't know if anyone's mother ever said that to you when you were growing up. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. What in the world does in vain mean? Like, what are you even getting at? And the first thing we think of, obviously, in our today's culture is just people who are like, OMG. Right? Like, it's this nothing statement. It doesn't even mean anything. It's just casual and flippant. It's vacant. It is devoid of, of and it is the complete and utter opposite of holy and reverent and majestic. You, you couldn't get any less than that phrase. And so when we use it like in vain, what we're saying is that we're, we're making it something cheap, something casual, something nothing-like. It is my least favorite thing when people use his name to swear. Because he is a holy God worthy to be revered. That's not just any name. The way you speak it reflects how you feel about him. It's far more than just your language. Why would you use his name like that? I mean, certainly we're not under the law. The Ten Commandments don't necessarily apply. Jesus came to fulfill that law, and we follow him now. But at the same time, why would you speak like that? What are you saying about God when you speak like that? Or even more so, what are you saying about God to the people around you when you speak like that? Isn't it kind of weird? Oh yeah, no, the God I worship, oh, praise his name. He's also the slang I use on weekdays when things are really good or really bad or just when I have nothing else to say. What does that say about God? One of my... Bible commentators said it like this, it makes God angry when his name is on our mouths, but the devil is in our hearts. <laughs> Isn't that kind of how it feels? What it represents when you just use his name so casually? Use someone else's name. There's only one, you know, just use, use, another, use my name. My name is short and forceful. Be like, oh, Mark! <laughs> right, like, that hurt! Oh, 
mark the Leafs lost last night. Just use it, I don't care. There's a million marks. There's been a million marks. There's gonna be a million more. It doesn't mean a stinking thing. There is only one God and his name is holy. Don't use it so flippantly. I give you full permission to call out Christians when you hear them use it like that. Just don't do it. He's a good, holy God. You know what, though? I think in vain can mean other things. In vain doesn't just mean when you use his name like a swear word. I think in vain can also mean when you sing his name on a Saturday or a Sunday, but you don't live anything like him on a Monday. I think that is taking his name in vain just as much. You're dragging the name of Jesus through the mud. You're, you're being a poor representative of Jesus. In fact, Jesus even said that. He called people out. These guys honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. These people said, Lord, Lord, but they didn't even know me. See, there's something that, that Jesus says, don't just say my name if it means nothing to you. Don't just say my name and live nothing like me. How you speak the name of Jesus reflects to the world who Jesus is and how you feel about him. Don't take his name in vain. We just sang it a whole bunch. So you better go live it tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Don't honor him with your lips, but have hearts that are far from him. So sometimes you can think the Israelites, maybe they went a little too far by not pronouncing his name at all, but I think maybe we've gone to the other end of the spectrum where we've treated it too lightly. We don't have that reverence anymore. So what they did, because this is how they handed down scripture and stories, whenever they got to the name of Yahweh in the scriptures, they replaced it so they could say it, but not say it. And, and they actually translated it as Adonai, which means Lord. So every time that they would come to Yahweh, they, they wouldn't say it, they would just say, Lord. And to this day, if you read your Bible, when you come across the word Lord in reference to God, it will be in all caps. Most of your Bibles, if you've ever wondered, why is that one word in all caps? Because it is the holy name of Yahweh. It goes all the way back to our history with the Hebrew people. Isaiah 42, 8, God, he says, I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not give my glory to anyone else, nor share my praise with carved idols. I am the Lord. All caps. Yahweh. Now, the other side of this is the, and now am I supposed to be afraid of God? Am I supposed to be afraid to say his name? Because we did just sing it a bunch, and I don't want to be super careful. Of, should I be terrified of this distant, kind of cold, impersonal, angry God up in heaven? Like, should I be afraid to say the name of God? It's like that scene from The Lion King, where the one hyena says, Mufasa, and the other one's like, Ooh, <laughs> right? Like, say it again. Right? Is it like that? Like, say Yahweh. Whoa! Don't, don't. Be careful with that name. Because, again, we don't want to get too far off to the other end of the spectrum where you think God is so scary and terrifying, I don't want to have anything to do with him. That's not what we want either. There's a great story that illustrates this. Uh, it's in the book of Judges. It's about a, nan, uh, a man named Manoah. And he was Samson's dad. If you know the story of Samson, if you don't, it, it's irrelevant. Um, but God foretold Samson's birth to Manoah and his wife. And God shows up in the form. If, if you read in the Old Testament, lots of times, an angel of the Lord, all caps, that's God. It's Jesus. They're one and the same. And so he shows up to Manoah, and, and he ends up asking him the same question Moses does. Like, hold on. Who are you? 
We read it in Judges 13, 17. Then Manoah asked the angel of the Lord, what is your name? When all this comes true, we want to honor you. Why do you ask my name? The angel of the Lord replied, it's too wonderful for you to understand. Isn't that awesome? See, it's, it's not too terrifying that you need to run away in fear. It's just, it's too wonderful for you to understand. He's just so incredible and unfathomable and, and wildly creative and fantastic and amazing. He's, it's just too wonderful for you to understand. See, that should drive you more towards God than it should away from God. You should want to go with him, not run away from him when you realize his name is just, it's just too wonderful. Because remember, it's not just a title. That's who he is. He is that. I love it. In fact, one of the greatest shifts that happens in, in Scripture from Old Testament to New Testament is the way they speak the name of God. Because it, they move from this unpronounceable Yahweh, and in the New Testament, they start using the word Abba, Father. And it's this crazy shift. Abba is the Aramaic for daddy. Not father. Not like that cold, like, well, yes, father, dear. Right? Like if my kids called me that, I would be horrified. Right? But to me, that doesn't speak of a warm relationship. That, that, that speaks of a dictatorship, if anything. No, when I walk through the door, my kids are like, daddy! Okay? That's Abba, father. It, it, it doesn't give you this cold, impersonal, yes, Father, but it gives you this idea that God is our daddy, that it's warm, it's intimate, it's relational, it's close, it's fun, it's loving and kind. It is a warm word. It's casual. It's family-oriented. In fact, it really is slang to some degree, isn't it? Like if you're looking at official government papers or documentation, please list the, child's, the name of the child's mother and daddy. Really? <laughs> Now, it says father, because father's official. Father's super serious sounding. Abba is dad. Dad is reserved for kids to call their dad. It means something more. It means something welcoming and warming. See, when you become a follower of Jesus, the Bible says that you're adopted into God's family, that you become children of God, and now we get to look at him and say, it's my daddy. Not, yes, sir, yes, father, I'm terrified of you, I better behave today, but dad. This is dad who laughs with us. This is dad who, who's creative and hilarious and wants to roll around on the floor and fight. It's great. Right? How many times do you think about God in those terms? Probably very little. We, we have a tendency to, to elevate some of the seriousness about God, but sometimes I think we miss out on some of the joy that comes with knowing God. How many of you love laughing in a sense of humor? Seven. <laughs> the rest of you have miserable, serious lives. And sometimes we forget, like, we are made in the image of God. We, we serve a God who loves to laugh. He created humor. He gave you that bizarre sense of humor, <laughs> right? He's dad. You want to know him. You want to be with him and be in his family. This is Romans 8.15. It says, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children, and now we call him Abba Father. Can you imagine for a moment how massive that transition would have been for the Israelites? 
who have, for their entire existence, generations after generations going back, generations, haven't even able to pronounce his name, have been terrified to the point of death. They have not spoken it. He's been this, this kind of crazy out there and personal God. And all of a sudden, one day, like he says, no, you can call me dad. That would, it was scandalous, mind-blowing. Just this massive shift when he moved from Yahweh to Abba. Now, is he still Yahweh? Is he still holy and magnificent and, and worthy to be feared? Absolutely. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And yet at the same time, simultaneously, he's dad. And he's close to us and wants to talk with us and hear from us. He wants to speak to us and change us. He delights in us. Do you know that? God delights in you. He made you. He loves you. He thinks you're great. He feels more strongly about you than you feel about yourself. He's your dad. Holy and mighty, absolutely. Close and near, absolutely. He's good. He's good. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the God of Mark and John and Jamie. He is wildly, unbelievably unfathomable, and yet he's right here talking with us. What's his name? He says he just is, and it's true. But what's your name? I am. And he is, he's Yahweh. And so I'm excited for us to walk through this series over these next few weeks and learn about his name, not just his name, but him, so that we can know him, grow deeper in our walk with him, learn to, what it means to be in his family. The goal isn't for you to feel further from him. The goal is for you to get closer to him. He's Yahweh. He's good. Amen? Amen. So we're going to sing a new song tonight that is called Yahweh. And so I want you to simultaneously know that he is worthy to be praised and feared and he's awesome and yet he's dad. <laughs>